Okay, Parshish Vayishlach. We're going to try to figure out a mystery. Anyway, you know the story. The story is about, is that part of the story that we don't understand. About Yaakov fighting with somebody. Right, and uh, what we don't understand is what the point was. What was the point of Yaakov fighting? And what exactly uh, was accomplished? But before that, before that we really don't understand. We don't understand at all why Yaakov was so concerned about his meeting, about his meeting with... uh, with Esau. I mean, after all, Yaakov was being protected by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Yaakov that the time had come, thank you, that the time had come for him to go back to Eretz Yisrael. When he got to Machanayim, the Malachim of Eretz Yisrael came to protect him. Now, under that kind of, what is it called today, an umbrella, I mean, why would Yaakov Avinu be so frightened of Esau? I mean, at the end, what happened at the end was that Esau turned around and went home. So why didn't Yaakov just think that that was what was going to happen? What was the source of Yaakov Avinu's concern? That's something that always remains hard to understand. What was it that Yaakov Avinu... Why was Yaakov Avinu, who was at least as well protected as anybody we know, why was Yaakov Avinu so fearful of his encounter with Esau? Why? And of course, we learn interesting things about... Okay. So why was Yaakov so fearful? But we'll skip that for a moment and go to the question that is in the text on the sheet. The, the text says, Vayivater Yaakov levado. And even before Kalbach made a song out of this, which is a great song, even before that, this was a difficult pasuk. I mean, why? Why was Yaakov left alone? You know, he transferred the families, the wives, the children over there. And he was left by himself. And then, Vayit Avek Ish Imo. Now this word, Vayitavek, is the subject, what? Vayitavek, I'm sorry. Vayitavek ishimo, adalotashak. This word, Vayitavek, is a subject of concern to the Mepharshim. Uh, avak is dust, you know, people rolling around in the dust, wrestling. This picture... This Rembrandt rendition of Jacob wrestling with the angels, I always tell you, is not my idea. And you can take it or leave, leave it. You know, if you think that the angel had to look like a young girl or something, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, this is the Rembrandt. And Rembrandt, of course, thought that angels had wings. I'm not sure that wings are good for wrestling or not. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how it all works out. But... Vayavek Ishimo means that they fought. Adalotashachar until the sun came up. Now listen to this. Vayakiloyacholo. We're missing a subject. We have to like sort of determine. Vayakiloyacholo. He saw. 
that he couldn't win. So who's the subject? The angel. The angel. Vayaga So he grabbed onto the kaf hayarech. Yarech is is this? What? Kaf yarecho. I guess it means the sole of your foot. Something like that. We take a kaf yarech Yaakov be'avakoimo. So he grabbed onto it Yaakov's kaf yarech while they're wrestling. Which is either a good wrestling move or not a good wrestling move. I have no idea. Vayomer shalcheni ki Allah hashachar. Hmm. So be vayarki lo yacholo. That's Yaakov. Yaakov grabs onto the angel. The angel grabs onto Yaakov. Both of them are grabbing onto each other. So it's so stuck. So then the pasuk says vayomer shalcheni. Ki Allah Shachar. Of course, this is a mystery. Shalcheni ki Allah Shachar. What do you mean, Shalcheni ki Allah Shachar? What's Allah Shachar got to do with Shalcheni? If the angel wanted to leave, and he couldn't leave because Yaakov was holding on to something or other. Okay, so he says, Shalcheni. What do you mean, ki Allah Shachar? This is the mystery. So Yaakov says, I'm not going to let you go unless you give me a bracha. What's Yaakov talking about? I mean, what does he think that this guy who's wrestling with him, who may be an angel, should give him a bracha? I mean, where did, where did this idea come from? So anyway, this is the mystery compounded in Rashi. So Rashi says, Vayar, in this pasuk, pasuk kav zayin, Vayom ashalcheni ki shachar, let me go because the sun has come up. Rashi says, Tzarich ani lomar shira bayom. If Rashi ever introduced us to something that was totally incomprehensible, this is it. This is it. What do you mean, Tzarich lagit shira bayom? This the angel is fighting with Yaakov, right? It's your enemy. They're enemies. Each wants to do it the other. The angel looks to Yaakov and says to Yaakov, Listen, you got to let me go. I'll be late for Shira. I don't know if that's work. But I'll, it's, I mean, why would Yaakov be interested or care? That the angel... You know what? Sometimes Rashi says something. And we sort of... We don't know how it comes out of the possible. but we understand what it is. Yeah, we don't understand what is Rashi talking about. Now, in fact... What? I mean, why did they decide to fight? I don't know, maybe one guy, one of them slugged the other one. I don't know. Why do people fight? You don't fight for a reason. You fight because somebody's come to beat you up. We don't have a reason. So this is what Rashi says. And this is the mystery. This is the mystery of... This is the mystery. If you look at the third page, if you look at the third page, there's a long passage of the Bedish Rabbah. You see, Breshit Rabbah, Parsha Ayin Chet, if you look at Bet, the first, the Aleph is kind of an introduction, but if you look at Bet, we'll look at Bet together. 
Vayomer Shalcheni. The angel said to Yaakov Avinu, send me away. Shegezman kilusi lekales lakadosh boch. Kilusim are praises. Right, Rashi says shira. That's what the Gemara in Chulin says. The Gemara in Chulin uses the word shira. But the Medrash uses the word kilusin. Kilusin is a word that means praising God. Like mizmorek tehilin. A kilusin. It's a regular, it's a regular word. A regular Aramaic word. Amar lo. So Yaakov Avidu says to the angel, Yikalsu chaveirecha. I'm not going to let you go. There are a lot of angels up in heaven. Get a substitute. They all know how to, how to do it. I don't want you to go. I mean, I want to continue to beat up on you. Amar lo. Eni yachol limacha. He says, I can't do it. There's like a line missing that Yaakov said, you'll do it tomorrow. You won't do it today, you'll do it tomorrow. So he says, I can't do it tomorrow. I need Bala Kales. If I come tomorrow and I say, I want to sing the praises of God. So all the other angels will say to me, where were you yesterday? It was on the board. It said on the board, you know, angel, angel of Yaakov. Sings. And he didn't show up. We had to put in a substitute. So today we're not going to let you do it either. Amar. Amar sheyitzei. Siyavta. Lo shiglachta. Lo eshlachacha kiim beachtani. So he says. So, so Yaakov Avinu created this reason. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you give me a bracha. I mean, he saw that the angel wanted to leave. He wanted to sing the praises of God. And this was his turn. Amar, Amar lo, he said, this is how angels are supposed to act. The angels who came to talk to Avram Avidu, when they left, they gave him a bracha. Amar lo, I'm not alone. So the angel said, you remember this discussion that's going on between Yaakov and Vito and the angel? I'm not alone. The angels of Abraham were sent to give him a bracha. The bracha was that his wife would have a child. So that's why they were sent. They gave him a bracha. Wasn't that they had their own idea, that they had an idea. So I, I can't give you a bracha. Okay, so in the Medrash there's an expansion of this idea that's brought down in Rashi. Rashi says, based on the Gemara, I have to go, I have to say Shira. In the Medrash, the Medrash says that there's a discussion between Avram, between Yaakov Avinu and the Malach. Not today, tomorrow, I can't go tomorrow. If I go tomorrow, they're all going to say to me, where were you yesterday? Something like that. So, so, so Rashi, instead of clarifying things for us, I think, has made it more difficult. I don't understand the Chumash, and I don't understand the Chumash and the Rashi, which is always unpleasant. Now, if you go back to the first page, I remind you of something that we learned in last week's parasha. Not here in the Shi'ur, but when you learn the parasha. Breshit Perik Lamed Aleph. It says, Vayavol Lavan Ba'oel Yaakov, Uba'oel Le'ah, 
You remember that Lavan was looking for the trafim. He was looking for the idols, for the family idols that disappeared when Yaakov left with his family. So he goes into each of the tents of the women, of the wives, three tents, and he couldn't find it. And he left the tent of Leah, and he went to the tent of Rachel. Rachel so, so she hid the trafim, Rachel, in the kar hagamal, and I guess we'd call it today a saddle or something that wasn't the real saddle, it was on the floor. And she, well, okay. She put it into, the, into that bag, she sat on it, and she said to her father, I can't stand up because I'm the way I am. And therefore, and Lavan, who had respect for his daughter and couldn't imagine that she was lying to him about this matter, looked around in the tent here and there and he could not find the trafim. Okay, so he couldn't find the trafim. Well, what happened to these trafim after Lavan left? You remember there was this encounter, Yaakov and Lavan, Lavan said up to here, and, Lavan, and Yaakov said up to here, right, this will be the border, I won't go past this market, you won't come past it. Everything was hunky-dory, right? They were all very happy. What happened to these trafim? What happened to them? We don't know. So when Yaakov Avinu came to Beit El, correctly, Yaakov Avinu was going to have this encounter with HaKadosh Baruch and he asked everybody to get rid of the Trafim. Now what did Chazal say? What Trafim were they? That Yaakov Avinu asked everybody to get rid of. Where did these Trafim come from? Were they the same Trafim that Rachel stole when they left the house of Lavan? According to Chazal, they were not. According to Chazal, they were new trafim that were gotten in Shechem, in the battle, with the battle against Shechem and Chamor. They were new trafim, <coughs> but either way, whether they are old trafim or they are new trafim, they indicate that the wives, that Lavan's family, that Yaakov Avinu's family, was not like-minded about Avodazara, that Yaakov grew up in a home. Yaakov grew up in a home, the home of Yitzchak, in which it was unthinkable, unimaginable that they would have anything to do with Avodazara, even though Esau, Yaakov brother, did have some things to do with Avodazara. But Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov was not able in his trip from the house of Lavan until he came to Beit El, right after Shechem, he went to Beit El, and there there was an encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was unable, I imagine that he wanted to do that, he was unable to get his wives, his family, the people there, to rid themselves of the idols that they had of Avodah Zarah. So that until that point, until that point, from the time that Lavan came looking for the Trafim, 
until they were standing and facing Esav, until they came to Beit El, right, Shem, then Beit El, they were still somehow involved with Avodah Zarah, and therefore it was necessary for Yaakov Avidu to turn to his family and say, now, we're coming to Beit El, and Beit El, we're going to have an encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it's inconceivable that there should be Trafim, get rid of the Trafim. Get rid of the Trafim, and everybody understood, apparently, that that's what and that's what they had to do. So that we have a situation. Have a situation you have to remember the background. The background to Yaakov Avinu's encounter with Esau was that Yaakov Avinu had not been entirely successful in creating the educational framework for his family that should have been created or that could have been created. He couldn't do it. And so now in retrospect, we don't know. Chazal say, why did Rachel take the Trafim? What? Okay, so, so that's a, a Kerut. You're right. That that's what Chazal say, that he was, she was trying to save she was trying to save her father. But it, it's hard to imagine that taking the Trafim would have been better than breaking the Trafim, which is what Avram Avinu did. She could have broken them on the sly. And then the fact is that later on they had Trafim. It seems and that Yaakov had to tell them to get rid of the Trafim, and this was an Eretz Israel that had nothing to do with Lavan. So it's hard to imagine, hard to imagine that, uh, uh, that they were entirely pure in their motivation. That there was no, there was no deviation. Now, what? It could have been? I don't know. I mean, it could. I, I try to stick to what Chazal saying. Right? They would have said trophy. I would have told, we would have included that. Now, if you look at the sheet again, in, in Perak, uh, Perak Lamed Gimel, this is after the encounter. After the encounter, this is Perak Lamed Gimel, Posigid Zion, after the encounter that Yaakov has with Esau, and somehow they get through that all right, everybody's kissing and hugging, and everybody's happy, and, and everybody's, and Esau's praising Yaakov on the wonderful family that he has, etc. Yaakov Sukota. That is, Yaakov Avinu went to a place that's called Sukkot. Vayivelobayit, ulemiknehu asa Sukkot. Alkein, karashem hamakom, Sukkot. Okay, whether it was called Sukkot before Yaakov Avinu came, only after Yaakov Avinu came, but the point of the pasuk that interests me is that the Torah takes the trouble to tell us that Yaakov Avinu came to Sukkot and what did he do? He made a house for himself. Now, why, why is that important for us? That he made a house. I mean, of course he made a house if he lived there. So he lived in a house. I mean, what, what, everybody lived the way everybody lived. He lived in a house, and the animals lived in some sort of an enclosure. Why is it that the, why does the Torah take the trouble to tell us this? Then it says, Vayavo Yaakov Shalem Ir Shechem. The next part of the trip. He goes to Shechem. Asher Beres Kenan, Bevo Mipadan Aram, Vayichan Et Penei Ha'ir. Vayichan is the word Machaneh. He can't. Pnei Ha'ir is at the entrance. There's always a way into the city. 
right? Vayichan et pnei ha'ir. Vayiken et chalkat ha'sadeh. Asher natan sham o'alo miyad b'nei chamor avishchem b'me'ak sita. So what did Yaakov Avinu have to do? Yaakov Avinu had to buy land. Before him, who had to buy land? Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu had to buy land to bury his wife. But we never heard that Avram Avinu had to buy land that he lived at. The land that he lived on in Eretz Israel. After all, what right did Yavim Avinu have to the land of Eretz Israel? Well, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to him. Gave him the land. So that the question is, how come he had to buy the Maratha Machpelah? Not how come he didn't have to buy land to live, but how come he had to buy the Maratha Machpelah? HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him the land of Eretz Israel. Look at Zakash. But here it says, here it says that Yaakov Avinu bought Chalkata Sadeh the place Asher Natasham O'alo Miyad B'nei Chamor Avishchem B'mei'a Ksita He paid money for the land on which he pitched his tent Vayitzev Sham Mizbeach Vayikrala Kel Elokei Yisrael He built a Mizbeach and he called it by that name Kel Elokei Yisrael the God of God, the God of of Israel. Okay, there you have it. There you have it. I'd like to learn a different parsha, with your permission, and that's in Shmot Perak Yudalit. Shmot Perak Yudalit. B'shalach. You know the Jews have left Mitzrayim. The Bechorot have been killed, devastated in Mitzrayim, and they're running out happily in the direction of Har Sinai, and they come up to Yam Suf. They come to the, to the sea. Uh, okay, they come to the sea, and suddenly they turn around and they see that the Egyptians are vigorously chasing after them. Right? The Egyptians are looking for them. And so, Moshe Rabbeinu, all they're in a state of panic. The Jews are in a state of panic, so they don't know what to do. They daven. They daven. Pasuk Tedvav, Vayom Hashem Moshe, Matitzake Lai, Daber El Bnei Yisrael VeYisal. So here's the picture: Bnei Yisrael, with their newfound faith in Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to save them and bring them to Har Sinai, and then bring them to Eretz, Eretz Israel, are confronted, are confronted by an impossible situation. The Egyptians are chasing after them, and the sea is in front of them, and there's no way for them to go one direction or the other. And, it, and, and it's amazing that in this kind of terrible situation, they chose to daven. So Kodesh Baruch looks down at Moshe Rabbeinu and says, this is not a time for davening. Daber el b'nei Yisrael v'yisau. Speak to b'nei Yisrael and tell them to move on. And Rashi says, 
See the Rashi Matitzakilai? Lamadnu Shaya Moshe Omedu Mitpalel. Moshe Abedu was davening for B'nai Yisrael according to Rashi. This is not the time for lengthy davening. This is a time when you can act, where you have to do something. Don't think that you davening are going to change the course of Jewish history. I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will change the course of history. Dabnel b'nei Yisrael b'yisau, e'en ha'mela lisa, she'en ha'yam o'meid b'fneihem. K'day z'chut avoteihem, v'hein v'hamuna she'eminu bi v'yetzu, l'kroa lahem et ha'yam. So that the weapons that b'nei Yisrael have at their disposal are z'chut avot and emuna. Those are the, what's davening? Davening has nothing to do with what's going on. Stop davening and get moving. B'nai Yisrael look at the sea. We're moving where? Where they're supposed to move to? There's a wall. There's a wall of water in front of them. So the Pasuk says, Vata, Pasuk Tetzayim, Harei mitmatechau deteit yetchala yam levika eyu, vayavo b'nai Yisrael betoch hayam bayabasha. Moshe Rabbeinu, get things going. Split the sea. Even though they're going to see that God is on your side, they're going to come chasing after you. So, why this was done and why this was necessary and why this was added, it's all worth discussion. The part of the story that interests me is that Moshe Rabbeinu was told by a Kodesh Baruch, according to Rashi, don't daven. This is not a time for davening. But what is it a time for? It's a time for taking out of the bank Shutavot. Shutavot, you have the bank. You take that, and you add to that, according to Rashi. Huh? You add that, according to Rashi, you add Emunah. You add faith. Faith has nothing to do with davening. Faith is without davening. In other words, if you have shkuta vot, that's what Rashi says. You take shkuta vot, you add to shkuta vot a little emunah, and you go, you go to a place where, you, where it's unimaginable that you'll be able to, to live. You're able to get through. And you just go, and everything will be all right. That's the conversation between HaKadosh Baruch and Moshe Rabbein. Then, it all works, right? Works, Moshe Rabbeinu goes into the sea. Moshe Rabbeinu goes into the sea, the sea but Israel goes into the sea, they go on the dry land, and then poof, you know, the, the Egyptians follow, the, the waters go down, and the Egyptians are, uh, are destroyed. Now, the most important thing that happens as a result of the miracle of Kriyat Yamsuk that did not happen as a result of the ten makot in Mitzrayim, right, there was the ten makot in Mitzrayim, each of those makot was spectacular. Each of those makot, obviously, came from HaKadosh Baruch. This makah, the eleventh makah, Kriyat Yamsuf, was also spectacular. Many Egyptians died. The war water split. Then the waters came back. 
I mean, why this is more exciting than Makat Bechorot? I can't tell you. But this is the eleventh Makkah. And it's only in this Makkah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, according to Rashi, demanded of B'nai Yisrael Emunah. What is Emunah? What is Emunah according to Rashi? Emunah is always, I know that the end will be as it should be. In other words, how does Emunah help you to do something crazy like jumping into the water? Because you know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is committed to fulfilling the process, the promise. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is committed to fulfilling the process, since I have that Emunah, so if Moshe Rabbeinu says to you, go, you can go. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to work. But you know that it's going to work. That's called Emunah. God did not take the so out of the tribe that they should die at the hands of the Egyptians here at Yamsuf. That can't be. That's a lack of Emunah. Emunah means that since you're confident about the end, so you're confident about what you're doing. Whatever you have to do, you'll do. I mean, it doesn't frighten you. Because you don't have to be reasonable about it. This Emunah, according to the Chumash, came to B'nai Yisrael before they jumped into the sea. And that's what we say every morning. We say, Vayaminu Bashem Uvimosha Avdo. This is what happened. After Yitziat Mitzrayim, before Yitziat Mitzrayim, you couldn't ask the Jews to be Ma'aminim. They didn't have that quality. After Yitziat Mitzrayim, Vayaminu Bashem Uvimosha Avdo. This is though HaKadosh Baruch said to the Israel, Oh, you're Ma'aminim Bashem. Ma'aminim Bashem? Jump into the water. You know the Chazal say that there was a Nachshon, and Nachshon jumped into the water before the water split, and then the water, and only then did the water split. In other words, there is this notion that we understand from Chazal that B'nai Yisrael had to use Emunah in order to start the process. And that the process of dealing with the, with the sea that was at this time the great enemy of B'nai Yisrael. There was an enemy because it could stop me from going forward. And if I can't move forward, the Egyptians would attack me from the rear. So the sea was the enemy. What did in the enemy, what did in the enemy was the Emunah. And the result of fighting the battle with Emunah, and Rashi says, Emunah, they did, they used the Emunah to fight the battle against the sea. Along comes, along comes Perik Tedvav, and Perik Tedvav says, As Yashir Moshe Uvenei Israel et Ashira Hazot Hashem. I mean, everybody knows, we say this every day, right? So, so but if we think of the sequence, we understand that the first battle that was fought by B'nai Yisrael with the weapon called Emunah because Vayaminu Bashem Moshe Abdo that was the time the only time probably in Jewish history when all of the Pratim each individual in Am Yisrael was possessed with this faith with this Emunah they were all armed with Emunah as Yashir Moshe Uvene Yisrael et Hashira Hazot Lemor. 
What's the shira? Rashi says, as. Rashi is concerned about the word as, which usually means the future or the past, right? But we're not interested in that. Kishira nes, Allah biliboshi yashir shira. When Moshe Rabbeinu saw the miracle, now, the antecedent of miracle, that's not such an easy thing to, to understand. What miracle did Moshe Rabbeinu see? Moshe Rabbeinu saw that God's intervention in the course of things was the result of emunah. Was the result, it was like a remarkable thing, not remarkable because God did it. What's the difference if God split the sea or if God makes a little cruise of oil burn for eight days? And what difference does it make? I mean, somebody measure the divine power. I mean, a miracle is a miracle. Not because it's strange, but because it comes from God. That's all. That's what a miracle is. So, the miracle here was not what God did. But the miracle was that Am Yisrael deserved what happened. That they were worthy of it. They don't need intervention of Moshe Rabbeinu. They're not in the corner doing something bad and Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to protect them and defend them. They don't need that Moshe Rabbeinu because they are possessed with emunah. Az, if it was Moshe Rabbeinu saw this wondrous thing that all of Am Yisrael was consumed by Emunah and that the Emunah of Am Yisrael is what split the sea and Moshe Rabbeinu said there's only one thing that a person can do witnessing such, a, such a, an event and that one thing is called Shira. And that's why the Pasuk says, Az Yashir Moshe Uvenei Yisrael. Yes, it's true that Moshe Rabbeinu initiated it according to Rashi. That's the Gemara in Sukkah. Moshe Rabbeinu initiated the Shira, but everybody joined in. Everybody understood that Shira was the natural response. Was the natural response. And you know that Shira, Shira, is akin to Nevu'ah. Even though Nevu'ah is about receiving information. And Shira is about saying words that are extremely pleasing to Shemayim, to heaven. There's something about words, not all the same. Some words are very special. And those special words are called Shira. And Shira is something we are able to do. Shira is something we are able to do when we are filled with Emunah. And you know, that's the story. We all know the story. I will tell you about Rav Kook, who was a poet. But you know that the Chsam Sofer, Chsam Sofer, was not usually considered to be a poet. I mean, I don't know what you think the Chsam Sofer is, but it's well known that the Chsam Sofer said about himself, that he couldn't learn. You know, the Chassam Sofa used to learn all the time and uh, wrote Torah all the time and had a tremendous yeshiva that he was that he had to deal with all the time. He says, between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, he couldn't learn Torah. 
you imagine that? I find it hard to imagine. Sam Sofa, Sam Sofa, who was, that's what he did. I mean, he learned Torah. I mean, he said that there are people, you get to be a certain age, you, all you know how to do is what you know how to do. So, so, so you learn Torah. What's your, what do you think the Sam Sofa did? When he couldn't learn Torah between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, what did he do? He wrote poetry. He wrote poetry. Now this is a story that's backed up by a little book of the Sam Sofa's poetry that was published. You can go out and buy it someplace. I mean, I don't own it, but I know you can buy it. So that why is he writing poetry, he said. He said, but somebody who lives through Yom Kippur, somebody who lives through Kapara, the, the joy of being redeemed, standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he's on his way to the Simcha of, of, uh, of Sukkot, he says, how can you do anything but write poetry? That's what the Samsofa said. And that's what he did. He wrote poetry between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, so that Shira is somehow seen by uh, people who, who are filled with Emunah as the proper way of expressing themselves. Shira is not just a kunz. Shira is an expression above other kinds of expressions. Who expressed themselves this way? Who expressed themselves this way? Moshe, Uvenei Yisrael. And Shira is close, as we know, is close to Nevoah. And where is the Nevoah and the Shira? You should know. If you turn the page, you see Pasuk Yudzayim. Tevi emo v'tita emo v'har nachalatcha v'chon shlifticha pa'alta Hashem. Mekdash Hashem. That's Nevoah. That has nothing to do with what they saw. That has nothing to do with the Egyptians. That has nothing to do with the destruction, with the Yamsuf, with Kriyat Yamsuf, nothing. But when you're talking about what you see and feel about what happens, you become filled with, with prophecy. You're fill, filled with prophecy. And so Rashi says, Mikdash al-Mata, Mechuvan keneged kisei shabbal shapa'alta. Right, there's a Beit Mikdash b'shamayim, there's a Beit Mikdash b'aretz, and mechuvanim somehow. That's called mechol l'shifticha, where you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will sit Mikdash. Hatam alav zakev kadol, afridom itivat Hashem, and as you should read, Mikdash Hashem konenu yadecha, not Mikdash Hashem, but Mikdash. Hashem konenu yadecha. That's what the Rashi says. Chaviv beit hamikdash olam nivra biyadachat shneemar afyadi yes the aretz mikdash b'shtei adai. Okay. That's what Rashi says. So there's a prophecy. People say shira are prophetic. So if I would summarize these this aspect of the parsha that we learned, I would say. Today Yisrael were told to fight against the Egyptians with Emunah. Emunah will be victorious and therefore all they have to do is jump in. Chazal say, unlike what the Pasuk seems to say, that there was a Nachshon ben Aminadav, somebody who actually jumped into the water, who had the faith to jump into the water before the sea split. 
But even after the sea split, you had to have faith. Because when you're walking on the dry land, you have to assume it's not a trick. And the, and the waters are not going to collapse on you. You just walk through them. That's with faith. And then the Egyptians, of course, suffered the punishment. And B'nai Yisrael acted with faith. And as a result, as a result, Shirat Hayyam. That's how I understand this aspect of that story. Now, if we go back to Yaakov Avinu, we go back to Yaakov Avinu, so we can say, what was it? What was it that Yaakov Avinu had to battle the angel about? I mean, what difference did it make if the angel won or if Yaakov Avinu won? In fact, what happened was that they both lost. Both Yaakov Avinu lost and the angel lost. Yaakov Avinu lost because he came away from the confrontation with the angel limping. The angel lost apparently because he had to beg for forgiveness from Yaakov Avinu and ask him to let him go up to heaven to say Shira. Now why did Yaakov Avinu have to know that the angel wanted to be released because he had to say Shira. And why did the angel continue the argument and apparently, ultimately, Yaakov Avinu let him go? Let the angel go to say Shira. Well, that's because Yaakov Avinu could not say Shira. It was the angel told Yaakov Avinu I have to go and say Shira. It's my turn. And Yaakov Avinu didn't say, maybe we should say Shira together. Maybe I could join you in saying Shira. But when you read the story in Masechet Chulet, and you read the story here in the Medrash, in Medrash Rabbah, it sounds like Shira belongs exclusively to the angel. And if that's true, that tells us something about Yaakov Avinu at this time. Yaakov Avinu himself may have been a perfect child of Yitzchak. He may have deserved the brachot. He may have deserved the brachot. And he may have had to run away to get wives in a place which was outside of the land of Canaan. But it seems that Yaakov Avinu was not able yet to create a nation of Emunah. He was not able to create the kind of machaneh, the kind of family that could determine their place in history only based on Emunah. And so the angel said, the angel said, I've got to go now. Because what I am about to do, you, Yaakov Avinu, are not yet ready to do. And therefore, Yaakov Avinu was told implicitly by the angel that he, Yaakov Avinu, he, Yaakov Avinu, was not the leader of a machane, of a muna, of ma'amini. And therefore, and therefore, Yaakov Avinu, knowing this, prepared for war. And he prepared for sending gifts. And he prepared for tefillah. 
And HaKadosh Baruch did not say to Yaakov Avinu, Matitzach Eli, Daber al HaMishpacha V'Yisau, didn't say that. Because they didn't have as yet that quality of emunah that B'nai Yisrael received in the process of Kriyat Yamsuf. And since they didn't have that emunah, he had to prepare. And furthermore, after the angel left, and nobody was very victorious, it says in the Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, Perak Lam and Gibel on the first page, Pasuk Yudzayin, Yaakov Nasasukota Vyven Lobayit, Ulamikneu Asasukot, Alkain Karashem Makon Sukot. Yaakov Avinu is not the master of Eretz Israel. He's not the master of Eretz Yisrael, even though in theory Eretz Yisrael belongs to him, but not only Esav, but Yaakov Avinu has to build a bayit. He has to protect himself. He has to be in an enclosure. He has to put all of the animals in an enclosure. It's important for us to know that, that Yaakov Avinu could not live any place except where he happened to be living, and then Yaakov Avinu had to buy in Eretz Yisrael the place in which he himself wanted to live. And that was because Yaakov Avinu could not say this is the beginning of the history of Am Yisrael. Because the beginning of the history of Am Yisrael had to be Vayaminu Vashem Uvemosha Avdo. That the beginning of the history of Am Yisrael had to be a community that was single-minded in their faith. A community to whom you could say, let's jump into the water because it will work. Yaakov Avinu couldn't say that to the people in his family. He had to say, well, if Esau attacks, tax this group, so the other group will run away. If he attacks this group, so maybe the other group will be saved. We will, we'll give him presents, we'll send him money, we'll do the kinds of things that you do if you're not protected by a Kodesh Baruch. And why was it that Yaakov Avinu was worried? <coughs> because there was still Trafim in his midst. Trafim that he did not rid himself of until they came to Beit El. Where Yaakov said, it's no longer possible for us to live. Uh, so you see, I have the Pasuk, Breshit Perk Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Bet, Vayasev et Ashvachot vet Yaldehem Rishona, vet Le'av Yaladeh Achronim, vet Rachel vet Yosef Achronim. In other words, in other words, protecting. Each group protected the others. This was not the way of Yitziat Mitzrayim. It was not the way of Vayaminu Bashem Uve Moshe Abdel. So what I think we have to understand is that Rashi was sensitive to the big picture. That's how I understand it. And in Pasuk Yudzayin it says, Vayomeshalcheini ki Allah Hashacha. It doesn't make any sense. Shalcheni, 
What happens? Why can't they keep fighting? Rashi says, And then in the Medrash, the angel explains Shira has a time. It's the capturing of the moment. And Yaakov said to the angel, Well, why did you say Shira tomorrow? So, no, you can't do that. Shira is the expression of the quintessential faith a man has. You can't say, I'll say the Shira tomorrow. Right? The angel can't say it. Even the angel can't say it. So Yaakov understood that he was not a man of Shira as yet. And therefore, the people, right, all the people who came with Yaakov agreed. Okay, these will be in the front, and these will be in the back, and then we stick further in the back, because they understood they were not a faith community. They didn't have emunah as their watchword as yet. They were not able as yet to function hand in hand, so to speak, with the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, even though it's true that HaKadosh Baruch Hu interceded with Esau and turned Esau into a pleasant fellow, it was though, as though Esau was given a large dosage of Ritalin that day. And he just, like, you know, danced happily into the, into the uh, fray. But Yaakov Avinu obviously was not sure what would be and how it would happen. And because of that, Yaakov Avinu understood from the angel that it was not for him to say Shira at this time. Even though, in a manner of speaking, right, the Ze'er Anpin, at this moment, all the Jewish people are saved. All the Jewish people that there are. And they're saved to come into Eretz Yisrael. It's very hard to avoid the comparison. Saved to come into Eretz Yisrael, led by Yaakov Avinu, who knew everything that one had to know. But the community was not a community of Vayaminu Vashem as yet. And therefore, Yaakov Avinu couldn't say Shira. And Yaakov Avinu had that emphasized to him by the Malach, who sort of says, you know, you may be able to beat me, Physically, you may be able to give me physical difficulty, but you're not going to be able to say Shira. That I have to say. And when I go up to heaven, I will say the Shira of this, of this day. Have a good Shabbos.